Chapter 3, Part 1 of A History of the Philippines. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mario Pineda. A History of the Philippines by David Burroughs. Chapter 3, Part 1. Europe and the Far East about 1400 AD. The medieval period in Europe, length of the Middle Age. By the Middle Ages, we mean the centuries between 500 and 1300 AD. This period begins with the fall of the Roman Empire and the looting of the imperial city by the rude German tribes, and ends with the rise of a new literature, a new way of looking at the world in general, and a passion for discovery of every kind. These 800 years have been centuries of cruel struggle intellectual darkness and social depression, but also a great religious devotion. Edward Gibbon, one of the greatest historians, speaks of this period as the triumph of barbarism and religion. The population of Europe was largely changed during the first few centuries of the Christian era, as the Roman Empire, the greatest political institution of all history, slowly decayed. New peoples of German or Teutonic origin came, fighting their way into Western Europe, and settling wherever the land attracted them. Thus Spain and Italy received the Goths, France the Burgundians and Franks, England the Saxons and Angles or English. These people were all fierce, warlike, free, unlettered barbarians. Fortunately, they were all converted to Christianity by Roman priests and missionaries. They embraced this faith with ardor, at the same time that other peoples and lands were being lost to Christendom. Thus it has resulted that the countries where Christianity arose and first established itself are now no longer Christian, and this religion, which had an Asiatic and Semitic origin, has become the distinguishing faith of the people of Western Europe. For centuries the countries of Europe were firstly raided and disturbed by pillaging and murdering horrors, by the Huns who followed in the Germans from the east, by the Northmen, cruel pirating seamen from Scandinavia, and, as we have already seen, by the Mohammedans, or Saracens, as they were called, who came into Central Europe by way of Spain. Character of the life during this period Feudalism Life was so beset with peril that independence or freedom became impossible, and there was developed this society which had lasted almost down to the present time, and which we call feudalism. The free but weak man gave up his freedom and his lands to some stronger man, who became his lord. He sought obedience to this lord, while the lord engaged to furnish him protection, and gave back him his lands to hold as a fief, both sharing in the product. This lord swore allegiance to some still more powerful man or overlord, and became his vassal, pledged to follow him to war with a certain number of armed men, and this overlord on his part, of the allegiance to the prince, who was, perhaps, a duke or bishop. Bishops at this time were also feudal lords, or to the king or emperor. Those were men united into large groups of nations for help or protection. There was little understanding of love of country. Patriotism, as we feel it, was replaced by the passion of fidelity or allegiance to one's feudal superior. Disadvantages of Feudalism 
the great curse of this system was that the feudal lords possessed the power to make war upon one another and so continuous were their jealousies and quarrelings that the land was never free from armed bands who laid waste an opponent's country killing the miserable serfs who tilled the soil and destroying their homes and cattle there was little joy in life and no popular learning if a man did not enjoy warfare but one other life was open open to him and that was in the church war and religion were the pursuits of life and it is no wonder that many of the noblest and best turned their backs upon a life that promised only fighting and bloodshed and renouncing the world became monks monasticism developed in europe under such conditions as these and so strong were the religious feelings of the age that at one time a third of the land of france was owned by the religious orders the town the two typical institutions of the early middle age were the feudal castle with its high stone walls and gloomy towers with its fierce bands of warriors armed in mail and fighting on horseback with lance and sword and the monastery which represented inn hospital and school gradually however a third factor appeared this was a town and it is to these medieval cities with their busy trading life their free citizenship and their useful occupations that the modern world owes much of its liberty and its intellectual light the renaissance changes in political affairs by fourteen hundred however the middle age had nearly passed and a new life had appeared a new epoch was in progress which is called the renaissance which means rebirth in political affairs the spirit of nationality had arisen and feudalism was already declining men began to feel attachment to country to king and to fellow citizens and the national states as we now know them each with its naturally bounded territory its common language and its approximately common race were appearing france and england were of these states the two most advanced politically just previous to the fifteenth century at this distant time they were still engaged in a struggle which lasted quite a century and it is known as the hundred years war in the end england was forced to give up all her claims to territory on the continent and the power of france was correspondingly increased in france the monarchy king and court was becoming the supreme power in the land the feudal nobles lost what power they had while the common people gained nothing in england however the foundations for for a representative government had been laid the powers of legislation and government were divided between the english king and a parliament the parliament was first called in 1265 and consisted of two parts the lords representing the nobility and the commons composed of persons chosen by the common people germany was divided into a number of small principalities saxony bavaria franconia bohemia austria the rhine principalities and many others which united in the great assembly or diet the head of which was some prince chosen to be emperor italy was also divided in the north in the valley of the po or lombardy were the duchy of milan and the republic of venice south on the western coast were the tuscan states including the splendid city of florence thence stretching north and south across the peninsula were states of the church whose ruler was the pope 
for until less than fifty years ago, the Pope was not only the head of the Church, but also a temporal ruler. Embracing this southern part of the peninsula was the Principality of Naples. In the Spanish peninsula, Christian states had arisen. In the west, Portugal. In the center and east, Castile, Aragorn, and Leon, from all of which the Mohammedans had been expelled. But the Moors still held the southern parts of Spain, including the beautiful plains of Andalusia and Grenada. The Mohammedans, in the centuries of their life in Spain, had developed an elegant and prosperous civilization. By means of irrigation and skillful planting, they had converted southern Spain into a garden. They were the most skillful agriculturists and breeders of horses and sheep in Europe, and they carried the perfection many fine arts while knowledge and learning were nowhere further advanced than here. Through contact with this remarkable people, the Christian Spaniards gained much. Unfortunately, however, the spirit of religious intolerance was so strong, and the hatred engendered by the centuries of religious war was so violent, that in the end the Spaniard became imbued with so fierce a fanaticism that he thereafter appeared unable to properly appreciate or justly to treat those who differ from him in religious belief. The Conquest of the Mohammedans In the 15th century, religious toleration was but little known in the world, and the people of the great Mohammedan faith still threatened to overwhelm Christian Europe. Since the first great conquests of Islam in the 8th century had been repulsed from Central Europe, that faith had shown a wonderful power of winning its way. In the 10th century, Asia Minor was invaded by hordes of Sijuks or Turks, who poured down from Central Asia in conquering bands. These tribes have overthrown the Arabs' power in Mesopotamia and Asia Minor, only to become converts to his faith. With fresh and sealed, they hurled themselves upon the old Christian empire, which at Constantinople had survived the fall of the rest of the Roman world. The Crusades the Seljuk Turks had conquered most of Asia Minor, Syria, and the Holy Land. A great fear came over the people of Europe that the city of Constantinople would be captured and they too be overwhelmed by these new Mohammedan enemies. The passionate religious zeal of the Middle Age also roused the princes and knights of Europe to try to wrest from the infidel the Holy Land of Palestine, where were the birthplace of Christianity and the side of the sepulchre of Christ. Palestine was recovered and Christian states were established there, which lasted for over a hundred and eighty years. Then the Arab power revived and, operating from Egypt, finally retook Jerusalem and expelled the Christian from the Holy Land, to which he has never yet returned as a conqueror. Effects of the Crusades These long holy wars, or Crusades, had a profound effect upon Europe. The rude Christian warrior from the West was astonished and delighted with the splendid and luxurious life which he met at Constantinople and the Arabian East. Even though he was a prince, his life at home was barren of comforts and beauty. Glass, linen, rugs, tapestries, silk, cotton, spices, and sugar were some of the things which the Franks and the Englishmen took home with them from the Holy Land. Demand for these treasures of the East became irresistible, and trade between Western Europe and the East 
grew rapidly. The Commercial Cities of Italy The cities of Italy developed this commerce. They placed fleets upon the Mediterranean. They carried the crusaders out and brought back the wares that Europe desired. In this way, these cities grew and became very wealthy. On the west coast, where this trade began, were Amalfi, Pisa, Genoa, and Florence, and on the east, at the head of the Adriatic, was Venice. The rivalry between these cities of Italy was very fierce. They fought and plundered one another, each striving to win a monopoly for itself of this invaluable trade. Venice, finally, was victorious. Her location was very favorable. From her docks, the wares could be carried easily and by the shortest routes up the Po River and thence into France or northward over the Alps to the Danube. In Bavaria grew up in this trade the splendid German cities of Augsburg and Nuremberg, which passed these goods on to the cities of the Rhine and so down this mutest beautiful river to the coast. Here the towns of Flanders and of the Low Countries or Holland received them and passed them on again to England and eastward to the countries of the Baltic. Development of Modern Language Thus, commerce and trade grew up in Europe, and, with great trade and city life, greater intelligence, learning and independence, education became more common, and the universities of Europe were thronged. Latin in the Middle Age had been the only language that was written by the learned class. Now, the modern languages of Europe took their form and began to be used for literary purposes. Italian was the first to be so used by the great Dante, and in the same half-century the English poet Chaucer sang in the Hamlet English tongue, and soon in France, Germany, and Spain, national literatures appeared. With this went greater freedom of expression. Authority began to have less weight. Men began to inquire into causes and effects, to doubt certain things, to seek themselves for the truth, and so the Renaissance came. With it came a greater love for the beautiful, a greater joy in life, a fresh zest for the good of this world, a new passion for discovery, a thirst for adventure, and, it must also be confessed, a new laxity of living and a new greed for gold. Christian Europe was about to burst its narrow bounds. It could not be repressed nor confined to its old limitations. It could never turn backward. Of all the great changes which have come over life and thought, probably none are greater than those which saw the transition from the medieval to the modern world. End of chapter 3, part 1